Someone told me, and I can't remember who, but they told me that it's impossible to be sad or angry if you're feeling gratitude. And that always stuck with me. We'll be exploring a little bit of that in this episode, along with talking to several local musicians about their work, talking to artists that do public art, and uh, an exploration into ambient music. I'm Stephen Collins, and this is 78644. We have Mark Willenborg in the studio today with uh, Dave Leroy Biller on the pedal steel. Uh, Mark Willenborg's from the band The Shovelhawks. Both these guys are Lockhartians, living right here in town. And uh, you've just finished, we talked a little bit earlier before we started recording that you yeah. had a record, right? Yeah, I'd, uh, I had the bad fortune of releasing a record right at the beginning of the pandemic. So uh, we, had, we went into the studio in Austin and, in, um, and recorded this in 2018 and 19 uh, and uh, used a bunch of A-listers from, from the Austin music scene. And, and we just so happened to get it all recorded and going into the mix the, the week that they shut down everything and so we were kind of on hiatus for several months and uh finally when it opened back up enough we went back in and just a few of us went in and mixed uh and at the time it seemed like a good idea to release it but uh in december of i guess 19 um but uh yeah it was released and I don't think anybody's heard it. I, that's a common problem, I think, from records from that period. You know, you, people recorded it, or they were getting ready to launch, even yeah. tour it, and just all of it stopped. So. Everything just shut What's down. It, you don't have a name for it yet, though, right? Uh, no, it's called Cold Beer and Country Music. It's actually out. Uh, the album is out under my name, Mark Willenborg. And then since then, I've formed this band, The Shufflehawks, and we play those songs. Uh, and slightly, I mean, it's pretty close to the record but we have a, a different take on it as most bands do when you play live so uh they've kind of taken on a whole new life uh and then of course there's new material that i haven't gotten to record yet you're new to lockhart is that is that right i've i've been here it'll be two years in december so we moved right in the middle of the of all of this everything was kind of locked down and on hold and we were living in kyle i've been in the austin area for close to 20 years but um I've never lived in Lockhart until 2020, I guess. And we moved because we have some family here and, and we were finding that living in Kyle, we were coming over here to eat at Lupin Lil's and eat barbecue and spend time with our friends and family. So we just decided, let's, let's just move. Um, and have you been here for a while? Or? Uh, I got here about a year and a half ago. Same thing. I, I, I lived in Austin for almost 30 years. And uh, after a uh, a bit of a change in life, like a divorce and stuff like that, thought it was a good time to get out of there. And a lot of my friends were moving down here. And I, f I feel kind of bad. I don't want to be part of some kind of an invasion of Austin people or anything like that. You know, I, I, I want everybody to bring something cool down here, you know. I'm not coming down here, like, buying up property and, you know, <laughs> making everybody rent it back and, uh, you know, opening kitschy shops and stuff like that i just you know i just want a nice uh easy going place to live and lockhart is really perfect town for me i've never really been like a small town guy but now most definitely as a new person 
coming in, you know, trying to start whatever, you know, music career, but I, I've lived in Austin, but I wasn't a musician actively playing all that time in Austin. So I never made the, built the relationships. And what I found is I've been able to build relationships here in a way that I've not been able to, as things have picked up for the band, driving into Austin and playing, it's still difficult because uh, you're not there all the time. But yeah. it's been nice. To, people have been very receptive here, and it's just amazing that you have this studio here, and you know, it's it's it feels it feels a little more uh, I don't know friendly and, and just inviting and and possible. Let's talk a little bit about the song that you're gonna play. Yeah, uh, it's a song called Someday, and uh, I wrote this a few years back when uh, I was going through a transitional part of my life, too, and kind of trying to start something new. And it's that that notion of, you know, if when things are bad, just keep going. It'll get better. And just keep your eye on, on someday. Playing it now, uh, it kind of feels like we found the someday here in Lockhart. Someday Gonna turn this thing around And someday Gonna try and make you proud Someday I'll buy that little yellow house Make your dream come true And then someday It'll be every day With you Someday I'm gonna write a true love song Someday If the world will sing along Someday I'll strike a note Makes everything wrong for us ring true And it's someday it can be every day With you I know that life will get you down like things won't come around our way Put your little hand in mine And together we could walk the line And someday, oh someday
someday Gonna break into the clear And someday Gonna drop these chains of fear Someday I'll kill these demons in my head And our love will shine anew And then someday Can be every day With you With you You can find Mark and the uh, and the Shuffle Hawks playing at the Commerce Hall on November 22nd. That's a full band show, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think because it's the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, what we're hoping is we're, we've got some folks that are going to make some homemade pies and we're going to have a pie auction and we're going to give the proceeds to uh, the Caldwell County Food Bank. Oh, that's great. A beautiful song, by the way. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, thank you. I want to thank both of you for coming in. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Oh, yes. Thanks for having me. I love the podcast. Alone on a mattress, on the floor, in the dark, in a bleak, lonely house. The solitary flame from the solitary candle that had lighted his path of the creaking stairs was now extinguished in that raw and empty room in the foreboding blackness. The sleepless man lay waiting to be haunted by both guilt and grief. There was a wrenching vision of two children who never would grow up, who died in infancy. Frank's children. Thereafter, Frank and his wife, Jeannie, doted on their only surviving child. But then came that cold, wicked January morning, only weeks ago, when Frank and his family boarded a train. There was scarcely a mile on their journey. When there came a sudden jolt, the passenger cart toppled from the track, down an embankment, into a field. Frank and Jenny were bumped and bruised, but their 11-year-old son, Benny, was killed. Twelve of the boy's classmates served as pallbearers at his funeral. Jeannie, already deep in shock, felt deeper into depression and more shock. Frank had accepted a position that required relocation to a new town and a new home. But Jeannie, who had never approved of Frank's career ambitions to begin with, was now less than ever enthusiastic. Go on ahead, she told him. What conceivable help should she be to him anyway? So Frank went on ahead, alone. There was a bare mattress that was put down on the floor in the master bedroom. That was all. And Frank would sleep there, really try. For the gloom hung around his soul like an anvil. This man wandered backward from regret to regret. There were only three children, now dead. And the new job, the weight that it would bear. Which he should have been so enthusiastic. But he wished he could back out of it now. But there was no way. His wife was convinced that their son had been taken from them a kind of divine punishment because of Frank's ambitions as a sacrifice. It's been said that heavy is the head that wears the crown. Well, certainly it was true for the tormented man you just met. But what I have been describing to you 
was the night after the inauguration of Franklin Pierce, the 14th President of the United States, March 4th, 1853. Whenever you see people, they may look like they're very successful, and you may long or covet in your heart to have what they have. Always remember that they struggle too, and remember to be thankful for what we have. It's a moment that we can take to look up in the stars in the night sky, they take a deep breath of fresh air and clearer minds. And know that gratitude is really the secret to happiness more than accomplishment. We have Kevin Daniel Humphrey in on the studio today. It's a friend of mine. We've done some work together and always like, always love working with you, Kevin. It's fantastic. You got a great musicality to you. Same, same. I really enjoy your songs and the way you produce music and the way you play and everything. I've enjoyed the shows we've done together as well as the studio stuff. Oh, thanks. So you've got a new project that you're working on uh, called KD and the Sharp Four, is correct? Yeah, that's that's right. So uh, this was kind of born out of my love for like uh, boogie-woogie blues music and 50s and 60s soul and R&B. Um, you know, loved Ray Charles since I was a little kid got into the blues men, you know, in my teen years and stuff like that, kind of trying to figure out who influenced some of the classic rock bands that everyone was listening to. And, uh, and so my, my band name is kind of based in that as well. Um, I do have four players. I've got, uh, Eric Slater on guitar. I've got, uh, Jonathan David on saxophone. I've got David Vidiale or Viriale, depending on how you want to pronounce that Italian last name, playing the drums. And I have Byron Nethery playing bass. And they're the sharp four, but a sharp four is actually a musical term you might recognize in a gospel song. It might go something like this and then go here and then here and then give you this cool right there some people call it a flat five but i thought that sharp four was just a cooler band name than flat five we're kind of uh building our band around that kind of classic boogie woogie blues soul and r&b sound and uh what at the time people were calling rock and roll but i don't i don't think that's what people call it anymore i think i'm actually gonna go with singles for a little while i've had a few different like record concept ideas and i like kind of overthink it and i've been looking at the world and the way our band works and we have we just have like a massive catalog of of old songs that we like to play kind of our own way and some are recognizable some are not i feel like we're more of a um a musical act than a like deeply thought out art group as much as that would be in my personality and like as much as i've been known to kind of think about philosophy and politics and religion in my personal life my band i realized that uh really through through covid and the stress of that and when i was teaching high school that um i really do think that there's some value just getting people to dance and enjoy each other and to sing along you know i grew up in church and I really did love that community aspect of it and the singing and dancing together and and the praise and worship aspect was a really big part of my week and my in my childhood uh, all the time and it influenced me a lot. And I and I kind of really just want to bring that to everyone. There are definitely some people that are not that don't want to go into a bar maybe because they've struggled with alcohol or maybe they have a very strict religious view against that or, or moral view against it. But I, I feel like for the most part bars are some of the most inviting places to 21 and up people 
in the world. Playing there and trying to spread some joy and encouragement and love in that way is really kind of this like Zen moment that I had in putting my band together finally because I was so paralyzed with what message do I want? What image do I want to portray? And how do I want to be seen as an artist? And then I was just like, you know what? As a little boy, I would sing and dance for my family and they loved it. And I loved that in church and like, let's just sing and dance. One thing that has been on my mind lately. It's really Lockhart um, in general, because when I fell out of my job uh, pretty hard, I just, you know, kind of gave up something that I really loved because I no longer believed in it. I came to Lockhart and uh, kind of bounced around town for a little while and found Chaz and Naomi at Sunflower. They then had me helping in the shop and then I started working on guitars and then I play in Chaz's band and then I was in the house band for the last waltz. That's another reason why I really want to bring the band out here is just this place made me believe that I can make this thing work. And so I'm like super thankful for that. And then people encouraging me, you know, being someone that wants to sing and dance, I'm very guarded of original music. Like uh, Lockhart has really encouraged me when I'm sitting around at a piano or something at a party or or at the Sunflower House. And the song that I'm playing, it's kind of from the last, person that I let hurt me before I met my wife, who I'm very thankful for now. And though this tune is uh, is kind of an anti-love song called Too Old for Love Songs, it's, uh, it's really that I'm getting too old to sing the blues. Singing the blues is like an act of thankfulness for me almost. Too old for love songs I'm too young to die I can't cry no more My wells run dry You took a piece of my heart All I had lived Lord, to kill that all Love is fleeting, baby Heartache lasts I can't seem to run my
Fantastic. That's great. <laughs> um, really nice to have Bobby Taos on drums and Tony Palace on sax. Tony, the Taj Mahal Palace. Yeah, that's what man. They call him. He's... No one gets to, he never comes out. Never, anyway, never. Tony Palace, y'all. Kev, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate it. The Texas Monthly Barbecue Festival brought with it several interesting things, and one of them being a new mural for downtown Lockhart, painted by Matt Tumlison and a text by David Bond. I got a chance to speak with Matt by phone about doing the mural and his technique in painting it, his admiration for goat signs, of which Lockhart has many. We started out by discussing Lockhart. Um, well, I hadn't really spent a whole lot of time there enough to really like soak it in. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty special place. It's kind of a, it's a, man, it's, it seems like it's on its way up um, in a lot of, a lot of really cool ways. So ghost signs are essentially old um, advertisements um, that were painted on on walls of a lot of these older historic towns. And they've since, you know, faded or been plastered over or or lost in some way. Um, but you'll still see kind of remnants of them. And I know there's one or there's actually there's quite a few there um, in the downtown square at Lockhart. And so with kind of that feel in mind, I, I wanted to design a mural that would um, kind of reflect like what those things looked like whenever they were new. Um, so with keeping some of those some of those elements of those old ghost signs um, and applying that to something uh, brand new, um, it sort of took on this feeling, or I hope it took on the feeling of uh, something that was really timeless, like it looked like it had been there um, forever. Um, and then, you know, I, I brought my friend David Bond in to kind of help me, who's a traditional sign painter who also um, really uh, gets the vision and, and Back in the day, they would have these traveling salespeople or traveling painters that would go around and paint all these signs. And, you know, that's kind of a lost craft. And so he, you know, and working with him, we were able to sort of bring back that same feeling of um, these old vintage signs um, that used to be everywhere. There's a couple times, you know, I, I really just dove head first into doing murals. Um, I did my first ones out in the little town of Rankin, out south of Midland. You know, I figured if I messed up there, nobody would see them. So I kind of got my feet wet there and, and learned a lot. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's a public art. And so it's not for a select group of people to look at every day. It's whoever's driving by gets to look at that. And I really, I really dig that about murals. And I'd wanted to do one for a long time and uh, finally just, you know, set my mind to it and, and knocked out a couple. My buddy, uh, David Bond, um, out of Waco, uh, like I said, he he does uh, traditional sign painting, hand lettering, kind of this lost craft. Does a lot of stuff with pinstriping and motorcycles, and and just a really versatile, you know, fellow nerd of sort of these lost arts. But uh, yeah, so he did the actual uh, lettering on Lockhart, uh, Lockhart portion of the sign. I designed it all, but then he, you know, I kind of put the ball in his court and like, you know, you do your thing over here, and. Uh, so he, he did that, and I kind of did everything else that wasn't uh, didn't involve lettering. I really, really hope it stays. Um, you know, I tried to design something that was, was pretty classic. I'd be pretty bummed if they painted over it for just, you know, a blank wall. 
I think that it, it really adds a lot to downtown. Uh, I'd be pretty bummed if they painted over it. If they're painting over it with something else. The world needs more art. You can find out more about Matt Tumlinson's art at tumlinsonart.com. T-U-M-L-I-N-S-O-N-A-R-T.com. And it is getting about that time to check in with Eye in the Sky. Of course, Alan Parsons is out this week. He had to go for his colonoscopy, so we'll have thoughts and prayers for him. And, of course, uh, Bobby Chowder, healing from the incident of being burned by trying to light a propane grill the wrong way. So, we have Billy Elvis working for us now. Billy, uh, can you hear us? Hey, Stephen, what's going on? That's right, Billy Elvis here. You're eye in the sky. <laughs> i got to be honest. Little Phil over here driving this thing it says, kind of seems more like a riot in the sky, if you know what I mean. Hey, um, looking out over here, anything was, you got to go past Snap Fitness today. Absolutely wouldn't do it. Uh, wouldn't uh, even bring in uh, maybe the Dairy Queen. Looks like there's going to be a lot of action over since they've moved that new Grandies down there over by the old mall. Also, flying over by the old mall right now, like I said earlier, uh, looks like Hot Topic is probably having a big sale. And uh, I think Mervin's is doing a clearance. So for Monday, it's pretty packed back there as well. So uh, if you have any children, might have school activities later at uh, the high school uh, that's over by the old mall. I would definitely maybe talk, see if they might reschedule anything like that. Because it's just, it's just, I would say there's probably at least a two-minute wait. Traffic's just hectic as it can get right here right now. Um, also, love to take our sponsor, Poco Loco. And uh, love being your eye in the sky up here. Uh, when Phil's not in, on the rye. You know what I mean? All right. Uh, back to you, Stephen. Green beans, Oprah, sunshine. Wednesday, November 16th, at the Pearl, local singer-songwriter Stoney Gable, from 7 to 9. Thursday, November 17th, at Old Pal, from 7 to 9, there is W.C. Edgar. The Pearl will be having open mic, hosted by Michael James Trio, from 7 to 9. The sign-up starts at 6.30 p.m. Uh, Lodoff Fannies will be having karaoke from 6 to 10 p.m. And the El Rey Bar Nightclub is line dancing, women only, from 6 to 7 p.m. Friday, November 18th, Old Pal will be having Jamie Kruger Band from 9.30 to 11.30 p.m. The Pearl will be celebrating Reuben Brooks with the Reuben Brooks Birthday Bash with Bear Ryan, 5 to 7 p.m. And Grant Ewing will be playing from 8 to 10 p.m. Commerce Hall will be having Katie and the Four Sharps. Lodoff Fannies will be having Two Bins and a Bear, and that's from 7 to 9 p.m. The Gaslight Baker Theater will be having the Gaslight Baker Theater Kids program and is presenting Sherlock Holmes on the First Baker Street Irregular at 7 p.m. Friday and Saturday night. It's free and open to the public, and the kids have been working really hard on this, and the community is invited to show up to support these young actors. For many of them, this is their first time on stage performing. The kids range from ages 7 to 13, and the play runs about an hour long with a 10-minute intermission. Saturday night, November 19th, 9.30 to 11.30 p.m. at Old Pal is Austin Gillum. Gaslight Baker Theater is having the Gaslight Baker Theater Kids program and is presenting Sherlock Holmes and the First Baker Street Irregular. It's a free show. Sunday, November 20th, The Pearl will be having a Sunday matinee with W.C. Clark. That's from 3 to 5 p.m. 
Arts and Crafts will be having the Intro to the Bookbinding Workshop, and that's from 5 to 7 p.m. Lodoff Fannies will be having Slyfoot Family from 3 to 6 p.m. Tuesday, November 22nd, the Shufflehawks will be playing at Commerce Hall. They'll be having a pie auction that's benefiting the Caldwell County Food Bank. Wednesday, November 23rd, the Pearl will be having Loker singer-songwriter Chris Lancaster from 7 to 9 p.m. And Lodoff Fannies will be having a special karaoke night, so bring the relatives and that'll be happening from 5 to 8 p.m. Friday, November 25th, Old Pal will be having Austin Gillum. That's 9.30 to 11.30 p.m. The Pearl will be having the Michael James Band at 8 to 10 p.m. Arts and Crafts is opening an open mic night. Aliana is hosting that. Sign up starts at 7 p.m. Sunday, November 26th, Old Pal is going to be having sidetracks from 9.30 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. Lodoff Fannies will be having Jams with Jenny from 7.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. Sunday, November 27th, Old Pal... We'll be having a, a brunch, and that's a time to be determined. And the Pearl will be having their Sunday matinee with W.C. Clark from 3 to 5 p.m. That's it for 78644 News. Jonathan Ray Case, a songwriter here in Lockhart and also an ambient artist, um, is stopped by, and he's going to be visiting with us a little bit about some of his latest ambient work that he's going to be releasing soon. Jonathan, thanks for coming by. Good evening. It's great to be with you. Great to have this conversation with you, Steve. Um, let's talk a little bit about, so you're a songwriter and you, you do ambient work too. And for people who are listening that don't know what that is, it's a, it's a type of music that plays in the background. Town of Pioneer by Brian Eno. You've been working on a new record uh, or a collection of pieces, I think, that'll be like an EP. Tell us a little bit about that and, and how you um, how you got into that. Um, you know, I, I think when we met however many years ago, I, I, I feel like we, I don't even know if it was explicitly stated, but we kind of both realized through the course of, of small talk that we had mutual interests in and ambient music and and probably classical as well. It, you know, to be honest with you, I feel like my my tastes have kind of gravitated towards more instrumental stuff. The older I get, when when you're a music addict, but you're trying to work out your own worldview, at some point, you know, you you start to filter out other people's worldview that comes through in lyrics. And you, and you still get the music, but you don't get someone else's poetry and you kind of clear the, the tabula rasa for you to be able to formulate your own ideas through music. You know, lo-fi is a genre that, is, that appeals to me a lot. A lot of time you get in the car, you go on a road trip. And I like, I like lo-fi because there's some energy, there's some beats, but there's also that repetitive part of it. And it you know, you can, it can be background music and you can have a conversation, but you've got something booing your, your road trip musically. The more music I listen to, the more minimalist my tastes get and, and the fewer words, the better. And in some ways it, it fluctuates, but that's kind of where my tastes lie or classical guitar or something. With ambient music, um, there's sort of a transcendence, mm. you know, that, uh, 
it, the music is trying to color your emotional place where you're where you are so for example that's kind of what i mean by in the background mm-hmm. um so you've got brian eno's music for airports, airports and so yeah. he's like here's a space you know yeah. the charles de gaulle airport in paris mm-hmm. and he wrote music to sort of play as you're standing there and it's not classical it's just informs a sort of mood you know and and um I thought that was fascinating, you know. Totally, yeah. And I, you, you know, you can as a songwriter, you can put that in to to music, and that's and and color the the tone that way. I've always been fascinated by that. I think you and I have that thing in common. Yeah, the painting analogy is a good one. You know, I remember I remember hearing uh, Lou Reed's Metal Machine music, and I the legend goes that it was. Uh, what what he delivered to RCA after Transformer. And, you know, Transformer was this phenomenal hit. And uh, as as Lou Reed would do, he, he said, well, I got, I got something for you next. And he just put four guitars up in his New York loft and let him ring out and left and then delivered that to RCA as his next record. Like but you, you, what you... What you... What's... The coolest thing, and that's the origin of Ossesio, and and I was trying to re- kind of recalibrate, rediscover what, why I make music, and what, I, and it's because I'm obsessed with music. What am I obsessed with? And I'm obsessed with really fundamental elements of it, like harmonies, the way one note bounces off the next, and what happens between those. And like I said, drones. Let when you let a drone ring out things start to emerge from it. It's generative. There are, there are colors and shapes and sounds that emerge out of another sound, and it kind of grows organically upon itself. And that's when you hear that metal machine music stuff, those guitars are feeding back, and it can be obviously grating and monotonous, and then all of a sudden some symphonic melody will emerge out of that feedback and it's like how how did that happen you know the, yeah the air in the room changed it so in a way the you're you're coloring the space and the space is coloring the music back in a certain way you know the in like you said john cage something yeah, the chrom- chromasthesia is that what that's called Ooh, that's a cool word I've yeah it's chromasthesia it's like it's a sound to color synesthesia that where you uh where you a sound involuntarily evokes experience or, or color mm-hmm. or shape mm-hmm. and i think they didn't know that back then um in the 60s you know but or with john cage you know you've seen some of the things that brian Eno's doing with he has apps like one's called bloom yeah. and it it it, it basically has a note tied to a yeah. a little sound, and then it kind of it just, just creates this generative thing, yeah. you know. And it's beautiful, you know. I think I think that is really at the core of what I'm I'm exploring with Ossesio, and really what I that's normally how I approach music. I sit down and get into the space and let let what comes comes, and I just kind of shepherd it along, and and, and a lot of times as pretty non-invasive kind of way. I mean, when you write a song, you've got to you've got to put the puzzle pieces together, but for ambient, 
you know, you just, you just kind of be the algorithm and you, where, where your taste leads you, you know, if, if, if I'm, if I'm feeling slow divey tonight, I will throw that something that evokes that on top of a beat and let it all, let it all kind of come together and, and do what it will do. And that's infinitely fascinating to me. I mean, I could, I could do that all day, every day, indefinitely for the rest of my life. It's just, it's infinitely fascinating. There's infinite possibilities to it. Yeah, I know what you mean, and um, I find it fascinating too. It's in you know, 20th century modern art. You know, you've got like people painting just using color theory. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not a subject. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same. Is is that how you're approaching it? Like you know, you've got these colors in that medium where you're like, okay, they work together and they create they create either an emotional thing or they, they they work together in such a way that they they activate the cones and the rods in your eyes mm-hmm. so you can it kind of fascinates you, you know, they're exploring just with that. Is is that are you are you playing with sound from an emotional palette? And, and talk to me a little bit about that. I'm fascinated with your process. Yeah, it's always emotional. I don't, um, you know, it, it's whatever resonates in the moment, and it really, it's it's yogic in a way because you just avail yourself to the moment and and whatever tools you have in your hand at the time. And a lot of times, you know, for a modern musician, that's synthesizers and and a doll and you you jump in but i mean i i i just love to jump in and and see where it takes me and it's always it's always that thing with that that chord that begins that launches you into space you know and that that's what's so interesting to me and why i get kind of giddy about it because you 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 hit two notes I mean, it can be one, but it can, but when you hit two, then damn, it's really magical. And then you hit three, and you know, it's it, 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 a lot of times. What's fascinating about it for me, you know, when you open a book and you just kind of put your finger on a word and see what that passage of the book gives you in that moment, or like a, a tarot card reading. You know, you you avail yourself to the moment and and let it take you. Where it wants to take you, I, uh, yeah, it's um, that's almost uh, kind of a spiritual concept in for a way, sure. Where you're, because music does that; it does kind of cross into that what we talk transcendent territory. So where you're you're using synchronicity, and you just then all of a sudden, I guess uh, what is it? it's kind of like um, automatic writing. You know, mm-hmm. in a way, but with music, I don't know, and it's not spooky. It's just <laughs> something else is sort of there. What do you? So let's let's examine one of these pieces that you've done. Which one do you want to uh, talk about? Um, I, I the, you know, the first one, Orchid, would be a good place to start. I've, I, you know, that's the one that I kind of pushed into the forefront. You know. I, there's a few elements involved, and what I'm trying to do with this Ossetio project is confine myself to a few elements. And um, because you can go searching through synth sounds all night long, and that that obviously has its place. But you know, I just like to 
for these pieces get in and grab you know usually starts with with a chord or or with a note even or a lot of times from from a beat forward is is where i like to start and get a groove going and then see you know what what the bass wants to do or what you know what the different elements want to do so i kind of have you know drum sounds um marimba sounds some some really spacey slow divey guitars there's there's some samples in there some organic samples in there yeah and and like get the get the groove going and jump into it and then try <laughs> then try to get out of the way Seven eight six four four is produced by Kate Collins. Original music by Mark Willenborg, myself Stephen Collins, Kevin Daniel Humphreys, Jonathan Ray Case. In studio performances by Mark Willenborg and Kevin Daniel Humphreys. Divine Punishment, written by Paul Harvey, adapted and read by Rebecca Pretlow. Please get in touch with us with anything related to music or art in the seven eight six four four Metroplex at seven eight six four four podcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.